Hey listeners of the Sweat Elite Podcast, it's Matt here. Thanks again for tuning in to another podcast episode. This podcast episode, I do not interview a coach or an athlete as I normally do. I interview a data scientist. So I'll explain why. About a month and a half ago now, I came across an Instagram page of a mobile application. That mobile application allows me or anyone to very cheaply and easily measure my stress levels every day. Now, the idea behind this is to be able to basically very easily tell me if I'm more stressed than usual on any given day, physically or mentally. They are the same thing. The body responds in the same way. Or if my stress levels are very low. Now, there's been many scientific studies and research lately, and we go into this on this, pod- on this podcast episode, about how training can be more effective if you time it with how your stress levels are. So you will basically get more out of your training if you do the harder, more quality training sessions when your stress levels are very low. And you potentially will not get as much out of these training sessions when your stress levels are high. And of course, same goes with the easy running, or should I say, you are best to do easy running when your stress levels are higher um, because that will help bring your stress levels down. So I think you get the point. Now, when I discovered this mobile application, it interested me because a thought had been in my mind for quite some time since I first visited Kenya almost three years ago now. And of course, I've been back to Kenya and also Ethiopia six times now in the last three years. And I have definitely noticed how relaxed the environment is there for the elite athletes. So up in Iten, in the mountains of Kenya, and Salulta, just outside of Addis Ababa, where all of the elite runners train, or at least most of them. Um, it's a very relaxed environment, and I've noticed that all the elite runners are super relaxed. And there's, I mean, I joke with my friends and say it's impossible to get stressed in these locations. It's just everything's very slow, very easy. People aren't really caught too much, uh, caught up too much on time. Um, and that was always a factor going on in the back of my mind, it was, which was very rarely brought up when I used to when I would read about why the Kenyans and Ethiopians are so good. Now, I'm aware there are many other factors at play as to why they are so good to do with genetics, high altitude, diet, and so on. But I think this factor is slightly underrated. And I found this mobile application interesting because it gave us the ability to measure this and track where our stress levels are and potentially give us a better understanding as to when we should be doing our hard training sessions and maybe when we should be taking it easy. So I tracked down the founder, Marco Altini, who I interview today, and we speak for around an hour all about the application, how to use it, and how to get the most out of it. And we also talk about some of the studies I previously mentioned. Now, this episode is not sponsored at all. As I said, I found the application on my own and reached out to Marco and he was more than happy to have a chat as he was already a Sweat Elite follower. So that's what this episode is all about. I hope you enjoy it. And the episodes coming up in the next two episodes are both athletes and coaches and I think you will enjoy them. Thank you so much again to our subscribers who keep the Sweat Elite content coming. If you are not a subscriber, you can listen to the first roughly half of each podcast episode, which I hope you still get some value from. And then the full episodes are available to subscribers over on our website, which is only one US dollar per week, or as I like to say, the cost of a coffee about every three weeks if you buy it at a cafe. Uh, So if you are interested in subscribing and listening to the full episodes, as well as 450 plus articles on our website, you can do so over at sweatelite.co. If you Google Sweat Elite Podcast, you'll find it, or sweatelite.co slash podcasts, and you'll find the full episodes there after you subscribe. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode with Marco Altini of, I haven't even mentioned the company name yet, I should have done that, HRV4 Training. Episode. I have on the call today Marco Altini, who's joining me on the call from Amsterdam. Marco started a very interesting uh, application, uh, web application that I have been using lately, and it's something that I discovered myself, and I reached out to Marco to find out more about it. Um, the company is HRV4 Training, and we'll get into what that's all about very soon. But thanks for joining me on the call today. Marco, how's everything over there in Amsterdam? Thank you for having me. It's uh, Everything is good here. Uh, you know, it was a pleasure to meet you also in person when we were uh, at the New York City Marathon. Now, I would say everything is back to normal routine. Yeah, yeah. We uh, Although I started talking to you, uh, a couple of weeks before New York Marathon, we were both over there two weeks ago um, and we caught up there and had a chat about the application and I've learned quite a bit more about it in the meantime. Um, but yeah, I think we can get straight into talking a little bit more about that. So I guess I'll give uh, listeners a quick take on ha- how I've experienced it and then of course you can dive a lot deeper uh, into the application. But the application is all around, uh, is all about measuring um, stress levels and trying to adapt that to your training. So uh, for example, every day when I wake up now, the first thing that I do, at least I remember most days, is I place my finger over the back of my phone, which uh, I place it more specifically over the camera, which is also a sensor. And that uh, I, 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 I place it there for about a minute and it uh, measures my heart rate as well as other factors, which Marco will explain more about very soon. And then it gives me a number every day and it tells me if I am more stressed than normal if, or if I am uh, less stressed than usual or where I am compared to my average. And with that information, we can better plan training. So if my stress levels are elevated, for example, it's I'm not going to get so much out of a hard workout. So I'm best to um, take it easy that day. And if my stress levels are very low and they come back to the baseline or back to the, the low, lowest points, um, it is best to try and do hard, more specific training sessions um, clo- uh, if we get more specific into talking about um, perceived exertion uh, I guess trying to do the, the higher perceived exertion training sessions on the days where my stress levels are low. So, would you say that's pretty accurate? Yeah, that's uh, that's perfect. Actually, <laughs> a great uh, way to say, you know, to explain how you would use the technology. So, as you say, what we do is to measure heart rate variability. So, you know, the differences in consecutive beats of your heart. Uh, you know, your heart rate. You might have, I don't know, a resting heart rate of 60 beats per minute, and that does not mean that your heart beats exactly every second. There is always some variability between beats, and this variability is something that is uh, really important because it's linked, uh, as you said, to your physiological stress level. This due to the fact that um, you know the the autonomic the autonomic nervous system tries to maintain a state of balance in the body. You know, it constantly regulates everything from, uh, you know, blood pressure, hormone levels and heart rate and everything that that is going on to to maintain this state of balance, which is necessary for a human to function optimally. Uh, And as you face a stressor, you disrupt this state of balance, right? You create uh, this sort of disruption from which you have to, to recover, to get back into a normal state. And that's that's what happens all the time without us more or less noticing. Um, and what what this um, parameter tells us is basically the influence of the parasympathetic branch 
of the autonomic nervous system, which is the one in charge of rest and recovery. Um, what is the influence uh, of this particular branch of the autonomic nervous system on our body at a given time as it innervates um, the heart and then regulates heart rhythm. So by measuring heart rhythm, we get insights into these mechanisms in a way that is, you know, simple and non-invasive, uh, as simple as measuring, you know, first thing in the morning for a minute. I think, uh, as you say, you know, your morning routine protocol works great because, again, um, the autonomic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system, it, it react, they react to anything we do, right? So anything is a stressor, um, walking or just drinking coffee, any sort of thing we do will have an influence on how the body self-regulates. And that's why it's important to take the measurement when you are in a relaxed condition uh, before you even start with your day so that you can have, you know, this consistent context in which you measure that you can repeat every day so that you can actually get a good snapshot of your chronic stress level and then over time compare that with what is normal for you, your historical data, and then you can finally make some meaningful adjustments, uh, for example, in the context of uh, your training load. Perfect. Yeah, that's very well explained far better than I explained it. <laughs> a lot more science in there. But it's funny because one of the first things that you said to me when I reached out to you, and once again, I do want to stress that this is obviously not a, it's not a sponsored episode at all. It's, it's, it's something that I came across myself and, and I'll give reasons why I found this interesting um, very soon. And it relates to some of the experiences that I've had in Kenya and Af Ethiopia. Uh, but one of the first things you said to me was try and take the recording uh, as, as soon as possible after you wake up. And try not to check social media first <laughs> because, yeah. you, said, you know, you might read something. It's very common, I guess, for people to read something that might that might bother them or, or, or it may be not even bother them. It may just, you know, t uh, tinker with some emotion or something and that might throw out the, the recording at the start of the day. So I found that uh, a little bit funny, but I, I have, I've been trying to do it as soon as as soon as possible after waking up. Yeah, that's a great point because, you know, it links to the fact that physical stress and emotional stress, it, it all affects our body in the same way, right? So if you read something upsetting on, you know, on your Facebook feed or some email or think about work, all of that is also going to have an impact, at, you know, even at an acute level, people, you know, get angry very quickly. We can, we can see that just by reading the comments on any article online. So you don't want to do that before you measure your physiology. Um, at the same time, I think this is why these metrics are, are very interesting, is that, you know, they capture um, where stress, you know, independently of where stress comes from, uh, uh, they capture your physiological stress level, combining, you know, what is uh, psychological stress, physiological stress, and give you a snapshot of what's your stress level for you at a given point in time um, and that that's particularly helpful because you know as athletes professional recreational ones we tend to know a lot about our training and our workouts and you know that stressor is can be i would say easily quantified on the other hand it can be more challenging to understand you know um, how hard is everything else that we are doing uh, for our body and this way you know you can sort of get um, an objective assessment of that as well yeah, for sure. So I'm curious to know, even though you have briefly told me uh, outside of this recording, what motivated you to start this application? And uh, I, I do know roughly, but it would be good to know more specifically when you started it. And yeah, I guess I'm, I'm trying to learn more about 
Um, there was obviously uh, something that caught your eye some time ago about this whole topic and what led you to start this application, which is now um, growing very quickly and, and seemingly being uh, being picked up by many different teams and individuals in many different sports. Yeah, I'm going to try to give you a bit of background on, uh, on me in general. So, um, um, let's say that right now, you know, I'm a scientist that is working mostly at the intersection between technology, physiology, and human performance. Uh, I have a technical background. Uh, about 10 years ago, I did a master's in computer science, engineering. Uh, then I did a PhD in, um, in data science, applied machine learning. And all of this, uh, let's say, technical work was in the context of measuring aspects of uh, human behavior or physical activity. Um, estimating energy expenditure or uh, cardiorespiratory fitness, working on stress and recovery. Uh, and it was all done in um, R&D Institute where we would have access to prototypes of wearable sensors and devices. You know, before we had, you could actually buy wearables like Fitbits and things like that. We had all these sensors to measure um, heart activity and brain activity and all sort of, uh, um, you know, different physiological parameters from the body. And my interest there, um, you know, grew in this uh, in this context in trying to figure out useful parameters by measuring the body non-invasively uh, and apply, you know, the technical knowledge I had to this topic. And in particular, you know, I'd, we, we had all these prototypes, but it was not something that people could just use. And I would say it was at the same time a bit of you know, just good timing because you had the first iPhones that could connect to um, chest straps, for example, polar straps, uh, which was not possible before Bluetooth 4.0. So that was like maybe six years ago, seven years ago. Um, and, and that's where when I started looking into heart rate variability more and ways to, you know, develop tools like apps that people could just use to measure these parameters themselves and learn something about, you know, stress and how their body is responding to the different things they are doing. You know, as a recreational runner myself, of course, I had an interest also in trying to understand how what I was doing was affecting my body, if there were any changes, um, and, you know, how you could find a way to better balance things. So I think there was already a lot of literature um, on the use of heart rate variability in the context of training or as a measurement of stress in general. But what was missing was really a simple and practical way for people to do this, uh, you know, on a daily basis and cost effectively, right? It was, I mean, if you need hundreds of dollars of devices, you know, it's uh, it's not gonna be something that, that you can easily do. Or if you have to go to the lab, even worse, but you know, things got in a way that it was really simple to just use phones and link up them up to sensors. And then finally I developed this technology that allows you to measure just using the phone camera. And this is something also that we validated and you know published studies where we show that it's as good as using a strap or using an ECG, you know, gel electrodes, uh, you know, like it is used in the hospital to measure cardiac activity. So that, you know, it was, um, I think, a good step forward for us to show that, you know, it's it can be very simple and you just have to do it right in terms of, you know, what we discussed before, the protocol, morning measurement at rest, and then start gathering data that way and learn more about uh, stress and how, you know, training and lifestyle is affecting uh, your physiological stress level. Yeah, perfect. Okay, cool. Well, I think we'll 
go back to the whole process of using it, even though I briefly went through it at the start. So for me, that's someone, uh, of course, I've been using it for, for, for some weeks now, but let's say that I'm just starting out. Um, you know, I, I download the application uh, and we'll talk soon about uh, the difference between the mobile application and the website, which is viewable on desktop. But let's say the mobile application. And for the first, you recommend at least one week or up to two weeks, we record what you, you call the base the baseline. Yeah, yeah, correct. So, um, you know, it's um, it takes some time to understand what's your normal physiological level. Um, so the app will tell you, will give you feedback already after three, four days, but eventually we will use up to two months when you measure daily uh, to determine, you know, what's your normal and if things are deviating significantly from, from that. I think that's really important because it makes very little, you know, sense to compare people, for example, and look at these kind of differences, while it's really important that we look at how things are changing uh, for our, you know, for our own physiology over time. So, yeah, that's how we start with the baseline. Yeah. And measuring the baseline or measuring anything for that matter, but let's just go back to using it from the beginning. Um, you're putting your finger over the back of the phone over the sensor for a period of time that you can choose, but one minute's the recommended amount of time. And after that, it takes your heart rate. And what else does it actually take? And of course, there's other things like sleep quality, motivation, perceived performance. Um, it, it'd be good to, for you to just explain for a couple of minutes about how all of that is recorded and then how that computes the score for that day. Yeah, exactly. So what we do first, you measure for one minute because, you know, heart rate variability is something that uh, requires a certain amount of data to be computed. You know, you can have your instantaneous heart rate, uh, but then you need to look at that over a period of at least one minute to understand what's the variability between consecutive beats and compute uh, heart rate variability score. So we use um, standard scores that have been you know, shown to be very uh, reflective of parasympathetic activity, as we were saying, so of rest and recovery. And that's just a score that is entirely based on your physiology in that moment. Then after the measurement, there is this uh, short questionnaire, which we think is really important because, you know, uh, physiology without context doesn't tell us much. So it's important also to track um, a series of subjective parameters that will help you later on when you look at the data retrospectively to understand, you know, uh, here this changed because, you know, I trained harder or I slept poorly or, you know, anything that is useful context. So we ask a few questions which take, you know, another 30 seconds or a minute to fill in on sleep quality, muscle soreness, fatigue, motivation, all aspect that, aspects that, you know, talking to coaches and athletes uh, came up as, as very relevant to track. Uh, and that's, that's what the app does. And eventually we put that information together to provide you with um, a, a short message which tells you, for example, you know, if your HRV is within your normal values or not. So it in, interprets that for you. And also how your, your subjective scores are trending. Because, you know, there are also things that you just cannot measure with a physiological measurement like that. For example, if you are sore, muscle soreness, that's hardly linked to, to your heart rate variability that day. So it's important, you know, to uh, have the full picture and look at parameters that are linked to your physiology and stress, which are very important, but at the same time also to other 
subjective data which can explain uh, you know the full picture and, and let you also better contextualize the measurements later on so once you've you know done the measurement and the questionnaire that's you know about two minutes and you get you know an, an, a number that tells you about your heart rate variability so how your um, how have you recovered with respect to your historical data? And then also uh, a brief summary of your subjective scores in the past few days. Yeah, exactly. And the idea is, well, this actually does 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 work. It does happen because I can explain um, the experience that I've had. If you are stressed physically or mentally, of course, mentally results in physically, from what I understand, um, your score will be higher. And if you are in a period where, say, for example, you are only doing very easy training or you're not training at all, or you're on holiday and you're really able to get away from stress and you're able to reduce it, your score should drop right down. No, the other way around. I've got it the other way around. Oh, yeah, correct. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the graph, I'm looking at the, graph the wrong way. Correct. If you're, so reverse that. I was looking at the way I was looking at the the way I was looking at the graph was the complete reverse of what I meant. Yeah. So the score should come, score should be lower is what I meant when you're, yeah. So, um, and, and that's actually really been the truth for me because after uh, I'm training for a marathon uh, right now, which is um, taking place in nine days time, but I actually used this application through a very hard period of training where I was doing some very long, hard sessions. And it really did, uh, I guess, um, show exactly show exactly that like my score was significantly lower when i was um when i was doing uh sorry the day or two after a very hard training session so for example i did a 30k uh, training session one day where i did 20 kilometers at my goal marathon pace i had a rest of 10 minutes and then i did a 10 kilometer race uh, and obviously that training session is near max effort and the day after that my my score was well um off the baseline and then it came slowly back over the next two to three days to the point where it was back at the baseline and i remember sending you screenshots every day and and, and you said i think after three days you i think you said something like it's good that it's come back to the baseline that quickly because I, that training session was was quite hard um so it's definitely worked yeah, for exactly. me and, I, and i've seen some of the funny screenshots that you've uh, posted to your instagram story i think one of them was when you traveled to new york uh you 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 took a measurement of your hrv and you posted a screenshot saying that your body is, is a little bit stressed from the travel. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, everything uh, affects your body and also it affects us differently. So it could be that, you know, you do it frequently, you're used to it or, you know, you're, you simply manage that better and, and everything stays within, within normal. Or it could be that uh, for you, it's a major stressor and then uh, it is reflected there for me. Uh, you know, it was uh, that week I had, uh, because apart from, you know, the background I told you about, uh, recently since I, I've, you know, I developed an interest, of course, in working with athletes and um, in, in, in sports science more than in technology. Uh, I'm also taking, doing a master's this year in, uh, basically in sports science, human movement sciences and uh, high performance coaching. So that just the week before New York City, I had exams. It was like 10 years before, you know, I had exams the last time uh, and I got a bit stressed and then I was preparing the marathon and then traveling to New York and I had the lowest baseline in HRV that I had in the past two years. So at a certain point, 
<laughs> I got almost worried. I was like, Jesus, am I this stressed? I mean, here, I really need to, to relax and do something before the race. Um, so I took, you know, a day or two before the race, tried to think about nothing and just relax a bit more because I saw that my body was really stressed. And on did the bright that, side, you know. Yeah. Sorry, just quickly, did that work, taking those two days before New York Marathon to really, really try and de-stress? I mean... Not much for me. I think that that's also very individual. So, for example, for me, it's really difficult to uh, implement an effective change until the, really the stressor is gone. It's like even for the exams, I felt that way. Like I, I tried some te- techniques, but for me, it's really like I, I, I cope poorly, I would say, with these kind of situations. I just need to, to do it. And at this at the same time, however, it does not mean that I would not perform well, you know, I'm just stressed, but then when I have to deliver to perform, I do it well, but I just, you know, do not cope well with it or live well with it mentally, like, it's, uh, it's really, it's really annoying, and I could see it really reflected in my physiology, uh, and, you know, probably something to work on, right, from a psychological point of view, I think there is certainly good work that can be done there <laughs> for me to handle this better. At the same time, uh, yeah, right now I would not say that the techniques I've used have, have been particularly effective for me. Um, but yeah, I did not put that much time into it either. You know, certain things, even develop trying to develop, uh, you know, routines such as uh, meditation or mindfulness or things that should help you deal better with these kind of stressors. It takes time. You know, it's not something you do it like three times and and hope that you're, you know, you're, you become good at that and, and it is reflecting your physiology. It's the same as training, you know, from a, an athletic performance point of view, right? You cannot do two sessions of intervals and think that you'll become, you know, way faster, but, you know, do that for four months and then you're certainly a better athlete. So I would say working progress from, from that end. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And you said something before that I actually want to exp- expand upon a little bit. And it's that you did the exams and you felt quite stressed about the fact that you had the exams, mainly probably because you hadn't done exams for about 10 years. Um, and so I asked a question very early on to you before we even had the idea of doing a podcast episode. And that relates to what I just said. Is mental stress and physical stress, do they show the same thing? Like, is that is that the same thing? Because <laughs> I was you know from that. So, yeah, yeah, you know, from, from a, you know, from a physiological point of view, yeah, your body reacts in the same way. So, you know, you get stress and you have, uh, you know, cortisol release and your uh, activation of your sympathetic nervous system and all sorts of things that, you know, in, in the old times used to happen because you were also, you know, physically stressed uh, because of, you know, the fight or flight response and the fact that maybe you had to... Uh, punto, uh, you know, try to, to to fight for your life and things like that. While now we just sit, you know, in front of a computer and we get really stressed mentally. And then you have all sort of these uh, responses in your body, which are, you know, all, all of a stress response, which is detrimental for for health and performance, which is why uh, I think it's uh, it's particularly relevant to to try to measure the, or or assess these kind of parameters because you know it's 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 hard to find someone that is not stressed, um, especially you know in Western societies these days it, it's how things work right. There is always you always have to do more, you always have to be busy and work late, and there is uh, all all these things you know pile up. Um, 
physically and mentally and and yeah so i would i would definitely say that they reflect in a similar way um in your physiology and that's uh, also what i could see uh you know these past months with my data for example as uh, from a training point of view uh, everything was pretty constant you know i would train more or less the same kilometers per week or doing the same hard sessions over a period of few months also you know coming back from an injury i did not risk it to you know increasing volume or doing anything more than what i knew was the minimum i needed to to do the race and uh, so you know there was really no um increased physical stress but there was a lot of psychological stress and they could see that very well and then you know right after the exams and after the marathon basically i had like no stress left right <laughs> everything that i needed to do that was stressing me out was done and then indeed you know things came back to normal in a matter of two three days so that again tells you that it's it's it was not really something you know chronic or some issue or some even something physical that might take a long time for you to recover but it was just you know something that was there mentally uh and and then and then it was gone but it is relevant also because when when you're stressed physiologically you're also you know according to certain psychophysiological models of injury uh you know in those situations uh you know your inflammatory markers are off or sort of things happen in your body because of stress and that put you also at higher risk of injury for example as an athlete so that's why it's important i think um beyond the fact that you capture stress due to training uh, and recovery needs of an athlete you can also you know try to make sure that when you combine all the stress that you're going through it's not affecting negatively you know your health and performance in the longer term yeah okay now you said something just before again it's a perfect little segue into the reason why i found this interesting and you said that in the west it's hard to find anyone that's not stressed just because of the nature of how work is and how social media is and, and, and all of that. Now, having spent probably four to five months of my life in the last three years in Kenya and Ethiopia, I've noticed that it's completely the opposite there of what, you know, you would, ex- that you would expect the fact that it's, it's obviously all the places where the elite runners are training. It's, it's very low key. It's uh, they're not, working full-time jobs it's very slow in, in a sense of like it's it's not a busy environment people aren't rushing to work uh it's very relaxed no one's in a hurry and of course the kenyans and ethiopians have other advantages at play for example their um you know their basic physiology they have some advantages there they live at high altitude they were running much more at a younger age and so on um, you could also argue parts of their diet that they're almost forced to eat in a way are, are an advantage because they don't have many of the options that we do in the West or uh, uh, f- f- for eating, that is. But one thing I clearly have noticed is how relaxed they all are and how little stress there is in their life. And I think that that's probably one factor of many, um, but probably a, a bigger factor than many people realise that's perhaps over, overlooked about why they are so good um, because they are – ridiculously relaxed and uh free of stress in their lives and you can really tell that if you if you meet them and you hang around with them for even 20 minutes or 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 half an hour or an hour they're just really really laid back and you can just tell that when they're about to have a hard training session they're they're really focused on it but at the same time 
they're not stressed and they're not worried about it and they turn up and, and really execute. And I think that it would be super interesting to have HRV4 training over in Kenya and do a bit of <laughs> a bit of a measurement on them because of course when they train very hard their score will come right down um, but it would be interesting just to see where their baseline is and I know you did say at the start that it's, it's not any it's not relevant to measure people against other people but it still would be I think pretty interesting to see how those Af- top African runners would score with something like like this technology. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And also, you know, it could be that, uh, you know, the baseline could be one thing. It could be also that you just see um, different sort of changes over time. You know, things maybe are more stable. It's less all up and down in response to other stressors. Uh, there could be, you know, different, um, you know, reasons for, for you know, that could explain, again, differences between people in this case. But, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, it's uh, such a different situation, right? And uh, certainly stress is it's very important, you know, for training and, and performing in general. So living in a different environment where, you know, you just look at things differently, um, I, I would say can certainly be beneficial for, for an athlete. And, you know, you made another point there also that I think it's, it's really interesting is just how... You know, it's the attitude toward the workouts, right? How different is that? Uh, the fact that, you know, if we we obsess so much over every single workout and, you know, your, your workout doesn't go well. It's like, you know, people are angry or upset or uh, it's it's such a big deal while it is never the case there, right? Yeah, absolutely. That is a huge difference as well in how they how they respond or, or deal with training. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I guess- for them, this is slightly off topic, but I guess somehow links. For them, there is no really poor workouts. It's got, because they, they don't really focus too much on, on the times they're running so much. They more focus on the effort. So, but that then, I guess, is tied into this topic because in turn, they don't really get stressed from the results of their training. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think then, you know, the mental component matters a lot there, right? Because, you know, we, we have our own workouts here and maybe you have, you know, your expectations and you set them very high, then you're disappointed by your workout and then, you know, it all uh, spirals down to something where, you know, you're just uh, not uh, performing mentally optimally for sure uh, and, and possibly at that point also physically so it's uh it's all linked and uh yeah it's uh it's certainly fascinating how different it can be uh for elite athletes also in different places of the world um and yeah it would be certainly interesting to to look at that more in detail yeah yeah so hrv4 training has been um i guess picked up by many teams individuals elite athletes in, in many different sports around the world um so some people listening right now might be thinking, okay, so stress levels, measuring it is all well and good, but what does it mean? Like I think now is a good time for us to talk maybe about some studies. So there was a there was a cycling study that was performed um, uh, recently and there's been a, at least one other. It would be good to talk about that and what you found from measuring this HRV score and I guess what, what uh, results coming out of these studies, what has it meant for people? Like, what are the key takeaways? Yeah, yeah. So I think this is indeed a great point because, right, we, we can collect data always, but then what do we do with that, right? It's important that we uh, we have some clear goals and, and, and this data is actually helpful for, for our health or performance. Otherwise, there is absolutely no point. So there have been 
two studies recently, which I think are very interesting. Um, one on yeah on cyclists and one on runners, um, using pretty much the exact same approach, uh, which is also the same we use in the app. Uh, so the idea is that you would measure uh, your heart rate variability daily, and then you know you would get again to understand what's normal values for you. So your you know how your baseline and physiology changes over time. They would use a month of data for that, and then they would measure. Uh, they would use seven days for your baseline. So you know you can always compare these two things, like what is normal for you in the past, and what's your current baseline this week. So when your current baseline this week is below what is normal for you, it means there is more stress. So in those conditions, uh, the assumptions of the scientists were that, you know, it means that your body is already stressed. So it's not an ideal situation to stress the body even more uh, because it will not be able to assimilate the training stimulus optimally to adapt and to, you know, in the longer term, improve performance. So the goal here, which is also in line with what we do is really always to use HRV as continuous feedback loop, uh, not as something you want to optimize in the long term. It's not HRV that you want to get better, it's performance that you want to get better. And HRV is just a tool you use, you know, to get there as continuous feedback. So in these studies, um, what was interesting was that these, uh, you know, groups that trained according to to this protocol with respect, you know, to the control group that would follow our normal, uh, you know, periodization with load and reload weeks, uh, eventually performed better, even though they trained less hard. So there, there were a few instances in which, you know, they had scheduled high intensity training but their uh, HRV baseline was low. So they said, okay, in this case, we change this training and we do, you know, an easy effort or a moderate effort. Of course, you know, if depending on the athlete, it doesn't mean that you should not train, right? If you are used to training, you know, every day and, you know, running a lot of kilometers, it makes no sense, you know, to take a day off. Uh, it just, you know, everything is relative again. So if, uh, you had a very high intensity training, it's a good idea in that situation to slow down and slowing down means different things for different people, right? For me, it could be an actual day off. For an elite athlete, maybe it's just not an, an, a workout that is as intense as originally planned and maybe you can do that, you know, two days down the line when, when things are, are back to normal. So that, that was the whole protocol and the whole idea. And, and again, the results were both in the cyclists and in the runners from two different groups. I think one in Spain and one in, one in Finland. Uh, they both showed, uh, you know, the same outcome, uh, less hard training, but better timed uh, led to, to improved performance. So they basically were checking each day and they were, so, so sorry, I'll, I'll start again. They basically weren't really creating a long-term plan more specifically. They were, pl- they were probably creating a vague, plan about what they should try and get done in the next week or two but then they were adjusting based on the measurement of each day is that accurate i would say that both groups had uh you know a regular periodization and and plan like everything was uh the same for the hrv guided and not but the hrv guided would then on a daily basis based on the score implement changes if uh you know hrv was not in the optimal range then they would you know uh take, uh, you know, scale down the workout, take an easier day. And that, that would be the main change. So really not to stress the body further when, when it's already stressed. I think that that's always the main idea when using this technology right now. Yeah. 
Okay. And personally for you, just quickly, when you use, you're obviously using this every, every day or most days. How, I mean, what do, what are your trends look like in a sense of if you, if you do a, a workout that's say nine or above out of 10 in terms of RPE, rated seed exertion. So a very hard training session where you're almost, almost at max effort. How long roughly does it take you to get back to your baseline or, or does it really vary? I think this uh, uh, is something that depends also in, you know, what shape I'm at. Like also for, you know, for anyone, like if you're in a good condition, you do not necessarily expect uh, a drop unless it was really a hard effort. Like, you know, you were saying before, uh, you know, you're in, uh, I don't know if it was 20, 30K and then a 10K race, something like that in a day. That was like a lot. So obviously you expect also an acute drop and that's what you saw uh but normally if even for hard sessions if you're like in, in a very good condition and you're adapting well and coping well you might even expect the day after uh things to be still normal and you know that does not mean that you should go out again of course it just means that you're adapting well to your plan and to your program which uh, obviously will include uh, some sort of easy session after a session like that. So normally it can just be a check to make sure that, you know, everything is going according to plan. Uh, I'm adapting well, while if I'm, you know, either in a situation in which I'm coming back from an injury or I'm, uh, I have, there is some other stressors or I'm in poor physical condition, um, then I do a hard session and then I see the drop. And normally, you know, I still one day, two day stops after a race, uh, you know, from a physiological point of view, I, I would say this kind of, you know, disruption due to, to workouts and trainings, I think it mostly has been shown to last um, 24, 48 hours. <clears throat> so that's what you see uh, before things go to back to normal. But again, if, if everything is going well, you might also see uh, just things to, to keep staying stable. Uh, which is which is always a good sign, you know. It means things are going well, and you can proceed as you planned uh, towards, you know, building fitness for your next race. Yeah, my baseline is very roughly eight point eight, eight point nine, and after that thirty kilometer tempo run, which was twenty k at marathon pace, and then ten k at faster than marathon pace, with a ten minute break roughly in between them. My score the following day was, I think, 7.4, which is quite a drop. And then the day after that, it went back up to, I think it was 8.5 and then 8.7 and then 8.9. So there was a huge, well, is that is that a huge drop? I, I, yeah, I don't that's, think that's really a huge drop. Like the other numbers you say, you know, they they are close to, to your baseline, 8.7, 8.9, those kind of differences normally we consider just normal day-to-day -day variability. Uh, but, you know, when when you went down more than a point in the scale we used, that means that there was uh, really a lot of stress for your body. That's a huge difference. And then the day after also somewhere in between. So definitely, uh, you know, quick recovery from, from a hard session. Uh, but yeah, from, you know, at the acute level, you know, like the strong stressor that affects you, like in the uh in the you know in the following day or two then, then that you could certainly capture it um that way that day yeah okay i'm going to quote uh i'll take a quote that you said a couple of minutes ago as well and expand expand upon that you said that the hrv4 training app is not necessarily 
telling you what to do. It's recording your data and it's up to you as to what to do with it. So in, in a more simple sense, it's it's not a case of it working or doesn't work. It's it's what you do with it. And and you also mentioned this in a in a blog post about I think you I think you said, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you, you found a someone writing in a forum or, or someone emailed you or something like that saying, oh the app doesn't work or something like that. And and it, it that's not the that's not the right way to look at it. <laughs> um, yeah. so it'd be you to talk a bit about about what I what I'm trying to say there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, what we do is to measure physiology, right? It's uh, it's not even an estimate, it's, it's a measurement. So that's uh, a snapshot of your physiology uh, at a given point in time. And then, uh, you know, you have to act on that information. And there is uh, there are many different ways you can do that. Uh, one is what we discussed before, for example, as uh, we've seen in these uh, recent studies on uh, cyclists and runners, where you would make changes uh, based on, you know, days in which you are more stressed, you, you scale it down. Uh, but again, like sometimes people, um, you know, start using these technologies uh, thinking that this is uh, something that tells you what to do, uh, that every day you have to, you know, every day the light is green because your physiology is normal, then you should go hard. You know, that's a recipe for disaster, obviously. So what we say always is you need to start with a plan, you know, either work with a coach or build your own training plan or take it from somewhere that, you know, you find reliable and that's your starting point. And then HRV is a way to assess how that plan is going, um, you know, to determine training adaptation to determine if there is uh, there is more stress at a given point in time so that you can make some small adjustments which uh, can lead to improved performance as we've seen in these studies but it's really about you know making small adjustments keeping things in check it's not about uh, you know replacing a training plan by just looking at how your physiology is doing because you know there is a uh, actually, this is also reflected in in what the app says. You know, when when things are going well, and you know your physiology is within normal, and your subjective scores are are uh, training well, what we say in the app is proceed as planned. Is not you know go hard, right? So uh, proceed as planned means that if you planned an easy day or a rest day, yeah, you should still go for it. And then you know that's uh, that's how things should be should be used. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think that's the the best use you can make of the technology. Yeah, uh, I guess to really summarize what you just said in a sentence, you actually sent me an email with a lot of information a couple of weeks back, and you said, "I want to clarify that our goal here is to really increase awareness of stress and load, not to blindly follow an app." Now, the reason why you told me that was actually in response to something that I said, uh, and so I went on a bit of a Instagram story. Uh, rant a few weeks ago i wouldn't call it a rant but i was talking about how i'm pretty convinced that measuring too much data can be potentially dangerous to some people now i'll try and uh, expand upon that in a minute or less um i have noticed lately that uh, at least i've come across many people lately that uh, have become very obsessed with measuring their their heart rate their paces um uh, whatever else, there's probably data points that I don't even I don't even know about because I don't measure a lot of data. And I've noticed that these some of these people have become very stressed 
and very anxious about their training and their racing. And they're often going into racing or even going into hard training sessions, really worried about how they're going to perform and really comparing or what or why is doing things like saying, saying things like, why is my heart rate higher today on my easy on my easy run than it normally is? And why is my pace slower this week compared to this heart rate last week? And they're doing all of this measurement stuff that is, in my opinion, again, only my own opinion, it's potentially psychologically limiting themselves, maybe even subconsciously. And again, linking back to the African, they do none of this. They they run almost purely on feel. They don't measure pace much at all. Some of them do, but they don't really take much notice of it. I have never seen anyone measure heart rate over there, but you know, of course, I haven't trained with everyone over there. Um, and and they don't seem to really even base their training around. Uh, around goal times too much some of them do but it's it's more about their their effort so linking back to what i was talking about i started to uh i guess express my opinion on this matter and say that recently i, I personally i have seen some, some improvements in my uh, marathon half marathon and 10 kilometer times in the last year or two in fact quite quite significant improvements and it's been while i have been probably reducing my amount of measuring of data and uh one of the first things I said to you is, um, sorry, no, one of the things I guess I was concerned about was, was is this something I kind of initially was like, well, is this, what sort of data are we measuring here? And I think you really summarized it well there by saying, I want to clarify that our goal here is to just raise awareness of stress and load, not to not to measure data and then follow it for any reason. So, yeah, I, I really like that, I guess, that sentence that you wrote because it was very clear about what the idea of this whole application really is. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, sometimes you get feedback, you know, from uh, uh, coaches or people using this with with their clients where, you know, it's uh, it is one more data point. But at the same time, it's something, you know, it's a routine you do the morning when you wake up, you take your measurements, but then you also take a minute just to think, you know, subjectively, like how you're feeling when you do the questionnaire, for example, you know, like what are you know my energy levels how motivated i am like also the things which just um make you you know think and and be a bit more aware of the whole situation instead of just you know <laughs> waking up and starting doing everything you planned and even going with your training plan without you know even stopping and thinking how is that going how you're responding like should you make any changes you know sometimes we make changes when it's just too late uh so i think Coming back to your point, certainly uh, the idea here is to help uh, getting a bit more in tune with your body, more than to offload the, you know, the decision-making process to to something else. So I think that's important also to understand uh, uh, and and you know to to make the most to get the most out of the tool, is it to to see it that way. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, and one other interesting. When I was obviously preparing for this interview, I was I was going through the HRV4 training website, which we'll talk more about specifically in a moment. But I found the FAQ page to be quite interesting, and it would be good if we could talk a little bit about the se- section that is titled "What Can HRV4 Training Offer Beyond Just the Daily Measurements," which we've basically just been talking about for the last yeah. half an hour. Um, <laughs> yeah. There is there's eight things here. Um, Maybe we could quickly go through some of the key ones that you think are important. Well, they're all important, but the ones that you would highlight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as we've said so far, right, the, it starts with the measurement. That's uh, 
what the app was about many years ago and how we, you know, evolved it over time, uh, measuring physiology and so. But, you know, as a runner myself and, you know, working with athletes, um, there we, we've been developing a lot of additional things that really should uh, help quantifying not only stress, but also progress in training without, uh, you know, having to do specific tests or, uh, you know, going to the lab. This also comes from, you know, the research I was doing during my PhD, where we would use these wearable sensors to try to estimate, for example, a person's cardiorespiratory fitness level without having them, you know, to do any specific test in the lab. So following these principles, we use workouts data, for example, to estimate lactate threshold or VO2 max or sort of parameters linked to uh, your aerobic abilities, let's say, aerobic efficiency, uh, cardiac decoupling, all sort of parameters which can be useful for an endurance athlete to track over time. Um, and, you know, you just get those from your workouts data, so there is no need to do anything different or, you know, to, as we say, to, to waste a workout, uh, you know, to a test, which is, is often not ideal. And, you know, of course, it's not a test, so there are always margins of error. But I think it's good. Um, it's a good way to, to try to keep track of changes and progress in training, um, you know, simply just by using your workouts data. So much of our work uh, goes there right now. Uh, apart from what we do in, in, the, in the context of resting physiology. And, uh, you know, as we said, many parameters have an effect, an impact. It's not just about HRV. It's not just about muscle soreness. We try to look at, you know, all of these things together uh, with training load and then to determine, for example, how an athlete is uh, adapting to training so that we can provide also that, you know, additional layer of information, which is not just the daily score, but more at the week or month uh, level. So medium to long term um, overview, let's say, of how physiologically you are responding to stress and training um, so that you can, again, try to make some meaningful adjustments and give priority to recovery in certain situations and things like that, which should help, you know, again, better balance stress and improve performance. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for sharing that. And I guess this is a good time to talk more about the website. So there is a mobile application and there is a website. Now, I've only predominantly been using the mobile application what does the website offer on top of the mobile application? So with the app, um, indeed, you get most of it. Uh, you have the measurement that you can do just with the camera, so no sensors required, uh, a series of analytics with the website. So there's something we use uh, certainly with coaches and teams and, you know, people that manage other athletes. So you have your dashboard and you can look. Uh, at you know how things are changing for your clients or athletes um, for individual athletes there is also some additional analytics in there uh, some different overviews that help you really look at the big picture so again these things that I was just mentioning and you know the normal values and looking at how things change over periods of months so that's uh, really something that is a bit easier uh, in the web platform also you know just for reasons that are very practical like you have a bigger screen on a phone looking at months of data can be challenging so that's why we have also this additional platform which makes data analysis a bit easier in the in the medium and long term yeah 
It's no different to Strava, really. Strava's uh, a lot easier to look at the overall picture of the month or the year of training on the desktop as opposed to the application. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, something I actually wanted to ask earlier, but I can uh, fit it in now in the sort of final 10 minutes, it's uh, teams. You you have had a lot of teams uh, adopt HRV4 training. And so how does that work more specifically? I mean, you know, obviously each individual in the team is measuring their their score each day, but uh, is there? I'm curious to know how. Yeah, how do they? Is there a way to combine all the scores, or how does it? How how would a coach get um, or take anything from looking at the whole team? Yeah, that's a great question actually, because it is very challenging <laughs> to work in team settings. You know, say you know a football team or you know any sport. Uh, first of all, because you know training is. Uh, let's say not as individualized as it is for endurance sports, right? In endurance sports, every athlete does their own thing, uh, mostly. Uh, While well, in a team settings, things are, are very different. Uh, it, there can be maybe a bit less room for adjustments. At the same time, you know, the whole point of this is really to understand how an individual is responding. And there have been various studies showing, for example, you know, you start with pre-season, uh, you know, everybody gets to the training camp and you start doing you know, uh, whatever you have planned. And they have been measuring physiology using, you know, HRV during this process. And they could, for example, see that people that struggle more, uh, you know, in getting back in a good shape and as measured by, you know, performance tests uh, had a poor uh, HRV response, you know, their baseline would go down, for example. So there are indications that show that you can, at the individual level, capture our different athletes go through the same plan in this situation, in these team situations, so that, you know, you could actually use that information to make small adjustments and, you know, basically manipulate training load um, for different groups or people so that eventually you get all of them to respond well. So I think that's a bit of the idea. Still, you have to go quite individual and, you know, look at the individual data. You can also see in certain situations changes at the group level, you know, periods in which, you know, there can be very high training load or a series of matches and things like that. But it's always difficult then to make some adjustments that are meaningful for everyone just because people respond differently. So I think eventually it still comes down to the coach having a look at, you know, how the individual players are responding and trying to make some changes there. Yeah, sure. Very good answer once again. I think finally, I would like to ask a little bit more about uh, the business model. Um, so what it costs to use it and so on. And I think on a similar note, to some extent, what uh, is, I explained this application to a friend of mine in Finland a couple of weeks ago, and he was, in, he was very curious. And he very quickly asked the question of which I debunked, but I'd like you to uh, maybe not debunk or I answered um, correctly is what's the difference, I guess, or the main differences between this and say, uh, using an, an Apple Watch or or anything like that. Now I I understand the differences, but but if anyone's thinking that oh maybe free on my on my on my Apple Watch or any other Samsung sensor or whatever else is out there, I'm actually not too familiar. Um, what are, what are the advantages to using HRV for over something like that? Why would you pay the the relatively small, in my opinion, fee to use HRV for over using say an Apple Watch and the data over, over there? Yeah, yeah. So well, in terms of the cost is um. $10 for the app and you pay only once. And in terms of why using it instead of something else, I think it's really about how you interpret the data. You know, it comes down to the fact that 
yeah, you can always measure something, but then, you know, you have these data points and with an Apple Watch or something else, um, they are, you know, often decontextualized, uh, not interpreted with respect to your historical data. Often it's just a number. It doesn't tell you, for example, you know, is this, how is this different from what's your uh, baseline or historical data? You know, you have to put it in that context so that you can actually get um, some useful information out of it and, and you know, make adjustments and change, make implement changes, which is difficult if, uh, you know, the whole system is not uh, designed and tuned with that in mind. Uh, so I think that's what is important. Um, and, you know, we communicate also with all of these devices. For example, if you have an Apple Watch, you can use it for the measurement. But then again, uh, you should not just wear the watch, which is measuring HRV randomly sometimes during the day and night, because that data point is not going to be useful. So you should still follow the protocol we mentioned. You wake up, take the measurement, and then read it back in the app. And then from there, again, your baseline will be built, and then you will start to understand how stress changes in response, uh, you know, to training and uh, and lifestyle, and and that's I think the the important bit, uh, you know, trying always to contextualize things, track your subjective data around it, uh, and then you know you can really benefit from having the data more than just measuring here and there and getting these numbers that really don't tell you much. HRV for training also, uh, I, I'm mind blanking the right word, but it syncs or works with Strava and training peaks and other applications like that. So that's obviously something that the Apple Watch doesn't, doesn't do in the same way. Uh, because as we mentioned at the start of the episode or towards the beginning, is that when you take the one minute recording over the sensor, there's a 30 second to one minute survey very quickly that a lot of it's just default answers anyway, and you can adjust the default answers. But in there, you actually, it shows, if, if you've already uh, linked Strava with the application, which is very easy to do at the beginning, it, it shows you on that questionnaire what you did yesterday for training. So it's obviously got the data there. And then you can also um, tell HLE for training in that survey what effort that was as well, whether it was 1 out of 10 or 8 out of 10 or 6 out of 10. And of course, all of those factors add into the score as well, which I guess is one of the big differences between just simply using the data from an Apple Watch or something like that. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's all contextual information that can really help then later on understanding, you know, the data and how, you know, what, what changes are you seeing and why, you know, training load and subjective data, it's all, it's all key. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time and joining me on the, on the call today. I think just finally, I am curious to know, is uh, what's next for HRV for training? Of course, you've built this this very interesting application, which I've been using for some time now. Definitely recommend people to check it out. Um, is there anything in the future in, in the pipeline for you to be to be working on, or is it is it just more about the marketing and it, trying to trying to branch out to further sports or? I'm you know, I, I think, uh, you know, still one of the important aspects, I think, is really the educational ones. So, you know, building and developing educational material that helps people really understand uh, that these are very simple things that have been published like already 50 years ago. Uh, it's just simpler now, but there is so much of it that it can be a bit overwhelming or confusing. You know, what works, what's what's not working, how you should use the data. So I think a lot of our works now is a lot of, of our work now is really in that direction. Uh, and on, on other features and other things that we are exploring, I would say more, it's all in the context of uh, psychological stress and 
mindfulness and biofeedback. I think we did a lot in the context of training related analytics. And now we are looking a bit into more the psychological aspects to see, you know, how that plays out. Yeah. Awesome. If people are interested in using it, best way to find it is in the app stores or uh, the website, HIV for training. Uh, you can Google and find it as well. And if people want to contact you and ask questions, what's the best way to do that? Is it through the website? Or... Yeah, through the website or my website or uh, via email. Uh, you know, it's uh, my web. My email is on my website, which is marcoltini.com as well. Uh, if it's something specific related to the app, again on HRV for training, there is uh, you know our email for customer support, and you know we help everyone. So definitely get in touch if you are curious or uh, or have questions about our work. Awesome. Thanks again for joining today. Marco. Thank you so much for having me.